Welcome everybody to the Grind Path to Pro podcast powered by Broadcast GG and we are on episode 12. Uh, I know that all of our social media said that Awkward from Triumph will be here today but unfortunately there was a bit of a scheduling mix-up and he will not be able to join us. So in his place uh, we have somebody from the second placing team in Open Division and that's uh, Fastman X from Tea Party but uh, before we get into that I'm going to start with my usual uh, as you guys know I'm going to start by saying who are you and why should we care so I'm going to start with you Avril who are you and why should we care uh, I'm Avril I'm a caster for contenders mainly Pacific but also Australia um, that's that's mainly what I do and uh, you should care because I'm about to do the playoffs for both Australia and Pacific pretty soon, so you want to watch out for those regions heading over to Showdown. Nice. And uh, Aten, who are you? Why do we care? Uh, I'm Aten. I'm a hitscan player, uh, ex health tank player for second win, and uh, ex triumph. So pretty, pretty known for my Zarya. Pretty good at the Zarya character. So if you like the Zarya or you like Zarya, then you, I mean, I hope you know me, and I hope maybe one day you'll know me. But uh, yeah. Nice. I think that's the best. <laughs> Alright, and finally, Foss Man, who are you and why should we care? Hi, well, uh, I'm Foss Man. Uh, I'm the off-tank player for Tea Party. We just finished, as you said earlier, uh, second place in NA Open Division. And we're heading into trials. I'm very excited for this opportunity, finally climbing up the path of pro, I guess. But, yeah, um, I'm really excited to show what our team can do and... I'm, I'm just happy. Nice. And something else to note, of course, Fossman is the very first Tier 3 guest that we are having on this podcast. We do uh, advertise being a T2 Tier 3 podcast. We do discuss a few Tier 3 things, but this is our first actual Tier 3 guest. So I'm really excited to have you. And uh, it sucks that Awkward couldn't be that guy, but it's great that you get to be him. Um, I think he's going to be cooking himself for that one. <laughs> yeah, pressure's on. <laughs> all right uh just a quick reminder to everybody if you type in exclamation mark grind it will give you the link to our discord server at the end of the episode we do a q a with our guests please feel free to submit your questions either in twitch chat or the guest submission channel uh, on the discord server and with that let's hop right into it the first thing we're going to do is of course a short interview with each of our guests just finding out a little bit more about them so i started with you before Avril. i'll start with you once again tell us a little bit about sure. how you got into esports and then of course ultimately overwatch um, well, a lot of people for Overwatch came through from TF2, so that would have been kind of me as well. So it's, that's where I kind of got my start. I was as a player um, and then sort of into casting as because uh, it was quite a real ground up kind of community thing. So there was no like real professional, no like modern professional scene we're talking like, you know, if people were like sort of sponsored, they might have been considered pro. But like back then um as far as like broadcast stuff goes it's like if there's someone that's reasonably good at the game and knowledgeable they might get to come on and maybe do a cast because that would help other people cast and so I, that's how i kind of got my start and then moved through a bunch of different games um overwatch was pretty ideal for me because it was like you know i i'd have been going through dota 2 as well um playing and also casting that game so by the time overwatch came out it was like a really nice mixture of FPS that I was already used to, like class-based stuff, and then a lot of the MOBA elements as well. So it was uh, pretty easy for me to jump in. And I knew I, knew I was going to be casting pretty early on. I did play for a little bit, just in um, some of the early tournaments in, in the Australian region. Um, 
some of those guys that were on my original team and now like have made it pretty far. Um, and um, yeah, now they're doing really great stuff. Um, and shortly after playing, I just got into casting pretty quickly as well. Like, you know, within a couple of months of playing and yeah, just kind of grinded it out and really kept it going until now. Nice. So is this kind of your first big, like, quote unquote, impactful uh, casting gig? Obviously something like Contenders is pretty large. Have you ever done anything this um, well known and, and well viewed? Um, so there's, um, there's a couple of things. So it'd be like the first, um, so I've been casting for like, maybe coming up to like, um, in total would be something like six something years, but of that only about three of them was probably professional and that it was actually like a paid professional thing working in a professional environment. Um, there's actually um, a TV thing I did um, in New Zealand, which is like in the context is, is like not that huge, but also it's like, it was like a pretty daunting first dip into like more professional esports, like straight on to a, a televised kind of thing. And I did that for Call of Duty. Um, and then, I did um, Overwatch Pacific Championship, which at the time was like the equivalent of Apex and OWP is from China. So like in Asia, they had their own kind of tier two large scale tournaments. And so that was pretty big. So I like, I guess I've done stuff that was like big in certain ways, depending on, you know, what metric you're using. But I think contenders is like the most um, planned out, kind of well consolidated product that I've that I've done and definitely it's um at least from what I've done probably the most viewed thing as well so um yeah there's been there's been a few different things it's been pretty big but right now um continues especially where it is this year is probably going to end up being the biggest uh, another question that I had is I really enjoy your um, like your banter with Pixie. You guys are so much fun to watch. I don't like, enjoy it, but no, it's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At least everyone else does. That's the important part. <laughs> um, did you guys ever do any work together previously or did you just come into contenders one day and they said, well, here's your partner. Uh, have fun. Uh, we, we've been casting for a while. We've been casting for a couple of years. Um, so um, I actually casted with him before I even um even went professional in esports so it's like you know i've probably known him for somewhere in the four year maybe five year mark i, I haven't been counting but um but i've been the first time i casted with him was like 2014 um there was only like a couple times and then we didn't really start to work with each other properly until overwatch um like late 2016 kind of you know we're talking August, September plus kind of area for Overwatch. That's when I started to work with them um, on a more regular basis. And then, you know, we did, we um, jumped into Overwatch Pacific Championship together. We're sorted together. Like we, we, we had other castes we worked with as well. And then um, as it got to the end of 2017 and as we like for all of contenders, we've only worked with each other pretty much. Um, but yeah, so now it's been a reasonable amount of time but yeah we we have known each other for a while nice that's good i i enjoy hearing stories like that um a lot of cast of pairs seem to be kind of picked up as pairs and not not so much just kind of thrown in together and i think that really um creates a better synergy and just a better overall show so the, but like the band is always like i'm like oh here we go again like <laughs> 
I can imagine I think, that with Pixie. I think, I think maybe that makes it funnier because I'm I'm so like, oh, save me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and that kind of reaction is maybe a little bit funny, but yeah. yeah. No, it's good. It, it, it adds a lot of entertainment, and I think that's probably the most important part. All right, um, let's move on to A10. So tell us a little bit about your esports hey. background. Okay, so Overwatch is kind of my first proper esports background. Because um, before that, I played a lot of, well, I played League of Legends, like early League of Legends, pretty much like everyone else did. Then uh, I was a support. And I consistently, like, I've always been a support kind of guy. That's what I gravitated mm -hmm. to in World of Warcraft, this kind of stuff. So, hey, I was gold, I was plat, doesn't matter. Not that much esports. But then uh, there's a game called RuneScape, which hey. is an MMO. <laughs> so I was pretty addicted to that. And I was like, holy, like, I'm never going to come out of this game. And then Overwatch came along. So Overwatch was my, my savior from the MMO uh, <laughs> addiction, I guess. So uh, yeah, then uh started playing, got, a, got good at the game, started playing a bit more. And then uh, right, the question was just like my background, right? In, uh... Yeah, yeah, basically, okay. just how you got into esports. Right. And then so... I, can, I can actually remember you from um, HSL Academy way mm -hmm. back i still remember before we casted one of your games eli got in contact with me and he was like if you want to watch for a player you got to watch eight <laughs> his his zarya and his diva good lord and i was like okay uh, cool i can get with that and next thing i knew you've rocketed to stardom yeah yeah it's, it's been it's been quite, quite crazy actually so i mean the way i got into uh like a team and a whole team environment like mm -hmm. that in the first place was just through a friend of mine who's like hey we need an off tank player uh, except during that time, I was like a hardcore Zario TP. So it was in a double sniper meta. So we would go, went for like open division. I forced Zarya everywhere. And then <laughs> it worked. Like we, we, it worked so well somehow. I guess people weren't used to playing against it. And then, uh, yeah. But I mean, keep, keep grinding, keep improving since then. So I was actually really glad yeah. to see that. Um... Because obviously, like I said, we, we did the, the casting of, of the Academy and then, and I still remember thinking to myself, how on earth is this guy on the Academy? And then obviously uh, they did quite a few changes. I, would, and I mean, we were, I was, the, the way they came to us, they were like a uh, cord narwhals before. Mm -hmm. So we were supposed to be the main team. That's what I was applying for. And then uh, they like got adopted by HSL, got another branch. So then they kind of split, split us down to the Academy and then had their main team main focus. Okay. So, been like working yeah, up I mean, improving since then. Yeah, the very next season, uh, you were on that main team, and I was yeah. really happy to see that. And then, and I think that that progression has obviously done a lot because next thing you were on Triumph, and about five seconds mm -hmm. later, you were on second win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that? How did all of those transfers happen from from um, HSL to Triumph to second win? Well, to HSL was because at the time I was kind of dominating the ladder. I was. Uh, like I had three accounts in top 10. I was kind of proving myself, you know, like multiple accounts, 4.7, all this stuff. So I was proving myself. Hey, <laughs> I mean, hey. So, uh, and then that got noticed. And then they just happened to need a hitscan player. So it perfectly fit together. Then I, when I got my shot, I aimed to prove myself. And I proved that I could stay in that uh, environment. Sadly, EU was really, really difficult last season with like the, the one spot going yeah. into trials, etc. So didn't work out for us. So after that, I had to question, like, do I want to keep going? Like, what, what do I do? Because everyone else had their own plans. And I had a lot of team offers coming in, people being like, hey, do you want to join this, this? And I wasn't sure about it until Triumph came. And then they had asked me once, and I said, mm, maybe not now. This isn't the right time. 
then the coach was like, hey, like we really want you for this. And then I tried it out. I worked it amazing. Like I love Triumph. They're amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing team. So uh, very, very happy that I got to work with them. And then uh, we were dominating. It turned out it was the right choice to go to Triumph because we were taking tournaments undefeated, et cetera. So kind of got my name out there. And it just so happened that second win was looking for another hit scan. Started to get a little bit more into the scrims against contenders teams, doing well. And then, yeah, I got a offer to second win. It was a really hard choice because it was go with Triumph. And as you see, they're doing amazing. So, yeah, you know, craft uh, my own path to pro that way or go to second win, attempt something like that. And for me, contenders has been a dream. So mm -hmm. as difficult as the choice was, yeah. It was it was my chance to go into contenders. Yeah, well, I think it was probably worth it, uh, all things yeah. considered. Yeah. See you in that contender spot, yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing you pop off uh, against Fossman uh, in the next season <laughs> <laughs> in trials, uh, or possibly just the next season. I don't know. Uh, second wind, you guys are still busy with your playoffs and stuff. How I haven't been it's playing over. NA that much. Oh, is it all done now? Mm -hmm. And where have you guys um, ended up? Uh, I didn't get to play sadly in the last one. Because I had exams, IRL stuff. Oh, so, wow. um, but uh, got knocked out first round by MTL in the playoffs. Oh yeah. So okay. didn't get the run back, unfortunately. So is what it is. So you guys in trials? No, because we ended oh. third in the. Uh, oh standard. right, right, right. But for playoffs. Oh, okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. There we go. Perfect. All right, so unfortunately, you won't be playing against Fastman in trials, uh, but hopefully in the next season sometime. And that'll bring us to Fastman. <laughs> um, so tell us, what is your background? Obviously, you're the, the least known amongst us, so you're a little bit of a dark horse for, for us and for chat itself. Uh, so give us your story and make it a good one. Well, well I'll try, but <laughs> no pressure. yeah, so... <laughs> I, I've had a sports background like about all my life, like playing baseball and other sports and stuff. And I started getting back and playing a little bit of console. I used to play these like Transformers games and I started just to play them all the time. And it was like shooters and I got really good at them. And I started to get a feel for video games in that sense. And when I moved here to Texas, I just started playing and I heard about the game Overwatch and I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot, right? And I actually started out on console. I was a Zarya one trick because I liked the character. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, hey. I started out, it was, it, was, it was good. And then around season three, I actually like worked hard and did a few jobs here and there and got enough money to buy like my first PC because I wanted to play Overwatch on it. Mm -hmm. And I just kept going through that and started playing ladder here and there. And I started to get a little bit good at the game. And then Contender Season Zero came out in NA. And I was like, I, I was like with my best friend who's on American Revolution now, Vexonus. He was like, mm -hmm. yeah, do you want to make a team here? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So we banded together. We were on different websites looking through, like looking for group pages, going through ladder, adding everybody, like trying to get a team <laughs> together for this thing. And it was like a two-day event. We went into the first day. Like, we got absolutely crushed, like, first round. We were, that uh, was bad. But uh, <laughs> since, like, all the good teams, like, qualified for, like, I guess the playoffs at the end of it, second day was a bit easier. We got probably the luckiest seeding I've ever seen in my life. We got, like, diamond teams all the way up to, like, the top 32. So, like, this little, like, diamond teams and, like, Liquipedia, like, yeah, these guys got this ranking. So that was, that was kind of fun. But that really, 
I guess, sparked my competitive fire in a way. Like mm-hmm. that's that's when I was like, this Overwatch thing is really cool. And then from there, I took a break from there, just playing ladder and playing with my friends. But then eventually I was thinking one night, I was like, I want to do this. Like, I, I want to try this out. I want to see if I can make it. And I just started trying out for teams, making some teams. And over, I guess, like the last year or two, it's just been grinding up, going through OD, um, finishing outside of playoffs, then on the next time, get even closer, then the next time making playoffs, like just just grinding through and slowly getting higher until I eventually joined Tea Party now. And we grinded up and we came in clutch in the playoffs. We actually had our main tank uh, Ace of Spades down for the playoffs. He couldn't play, but our player Charlie stepped up huge. Didn't really have much play time with the roster, stepped in and stepped up big, really. Like, we we played, we gamed, and uh, made it to second. Uh, got clapped a little bit by trial uh, <laughs> triumph, but is what it is. We're gonna okay. we're gonna run it back in uh, trials, see what happens there. But yeah, hopefully hopefully get to contenders off of that. Yeah, yeah that's actually, that's that's like, all my story pretty much. You're like embodying that path to pro vibe. I think a lot of players, and this this in and of itself is pretty um, pertinent a point to make. Uh, speaking about how you've grinded od for for like one to two years and you've only now reached that trial spot a lot of players not a lot of players let me not speak um nonsense here a few players will be able to make that jump faster and every other player is looking at those people going well why isn't that me you know but what a lot of players need to realize is that grind is real Um, it takes you a long time to get noticed and to get into a position where teams actually care about your name. Because true story, when you join uh, right in the beginning, nobody cares about you. You really have to prove yourself. So I'm really happy to hear this this story of yours and to see that you never gave up and you kept going and now here you are in trials. And no matter what happens in trials, you've achieved this and they can't take that away from you. So that's super cool. All right. I think that basically covers it uh, for the interview, short little interview portion. And we're going to be moving on to our set topics. Before we do that, just a reminder once again, and I am going to do this in between every single topic, so expect it. Um, If you type exclamation mark grind, it will give you a link to our Discord where you can come join us. You can come chat to everybody. Uh, There is a question submission channel, so you can submit some questions for the guests. You can also just submit those in Twitch chat. Uh, We do have our producer looking out for those. We've also got a guest submission channel. Like, There's so much stuff to do there, so please, guys, come join us and... um, just one rule, don't ever ping the guests. Yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> Let's move swiftly along onto our first topic of the evening, and that is, of course, contenders playoffs and predictions going forward. And I think I want to start with, uh, if we have a look here. Sorry, I do have a notepad open in front of me with all of my information because our social media guy is a beast. Uh, PAC, we've got uh, finals coming up on the 3rd of May. Is that right? Yeah, it's coming up. Two days. And who, who are, which teams are we looking at here for finals? So in pack, we got Talon Esports and Nova Monster Shield. Um, and if I'm going to be honest, it's probably the two teams that I definitely expected to be here right now. Um, and yeah, playoffs basically went kind of how, how you'd expect it to go. Uh, maybe a couple of interesting upsets in there. Um, 
probably at the start of the season would not have expected. Um, I was a little, I'll put it this way. I was a little unsure about some of the teams at the start of the season. Cause um, the thing with the pack is every time, every new season that rolls around, um, you typically do get a bunch of new players. You typically do get a reasonable amount of new teams. Obviously that's mm-hmm. um, probably going to be less now moving forward with the, uh, so the current format of contenders with um, two teams coming in for group eight. So hopefully that's maybe going to have a little bit more stability. Also, there was, you know, PAC's been one of the regions that's most been affected by um, region lock. So we, we lost a lot of teams going into the season because we had a, we had like a lot of Korean teams. So most of like all of them are gone now. Um, some of the, some of the orgs are still here with new teams or like mixed rosters. So um so that's cool, but um, otherwise there was a big shakeup going into the season. So um, Talon was the one that I was keeping my eye on because I wasn't sure how good they were going to be because it, it seemed like it's a really mixed roster. But the individual pieces always seemed pretty decent. Um, I will say they had a pretty favorable schedule. Like they they played most of the easy easier teams on the bottom of the ladder, or the ones you'd expect to be close to the bottom first, and they played the harder games later. Um, so they ended up with a really good record in top of the group, number one. Um, and by the time we get to now, I actually think they're probably the strongest team in the Pacific region. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up taking it out and going to showdown. And, uh, obviously your, your showdown, um, pool is, is quite a hectic one. Obviously, uh, you've got one from Australia, two from China, two from Korea, and then it's just the one from Pacific. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also, it, it's a little I'm bit out here representing game. both minor regions. Uh- <laughs> Hell Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of Hunger Games for you guys out there, uh, reminiscent of EU Open Division last season. Uh, <laughs> and then if we have a look That's at the right, they're hungry. They'll eat. <laughs> they're getting that bread. <laughs> um, yeah, so looking over here at uh, Australian contender- contenders, Lord, finals 4th of May. Uh, how's it been looking there with those teams? Again, as expected or some upsets? Um, there's... Um, so Australia has had mostly the same-ish kind of teams for all the, all the contender seasons so far, and they've mostly stuck with a very consistent top tier in the region. So that, you know, right now that's just like two out of the four teams, but typically there's, there's, there's always a top four in Australia. Um, sometimes it's more like a top three. I'm talking about like competitiveness where like X amount of teams are very close with each other. And then there's like everyone else, which I think like kind of applies for every region, but in Australia, it's like, it's always the same teams. Um, this time around, I think there's been a reasonable shakeup. This has been the most competitive season of Australia so far. Um, and I think I, I maybe even, you know, put Pacific in there as well. I think it's been super competitive with the eight teams instead of 12. Um, but you've got, you know, one of the previous land teams, um, Ground Zero, who kind of dropped out of that top four unceremoniously, which is a little upsetting for them um, and their fans because they were kind of expected to still be among that upper rank of teams and this, this season just did not work out for them. Um, then you got like the triumphant return of blank esports as well after, you know, coming up from pack and doing relatively well. They came like second in the season one of contenders in pack. Um, 
And then since then, they've been kind of middling around and just haven't really found the right roster or the right, you know, even the right region to play in. They were still in pack for season two, didn't really work out for them, went to Australia for season three, um, basically had a brand new roster and it was just too fresh for them coming into the season. They really put their foot down on, you know, the gas pedal. And so um, they got a great roster now and they're doing super good. And you got Order and Sydney Drop Bears who... Uh, those two teams that have kind of just always been there. They've always been among that top tier of teams in Australia, and it's definitely not a surprise that they're still right up the top right now. And then newcomers, Melbourne Mavericks, who have been kind of like within the fifth, sixth, seventh places of contenders always under different names, and now they finally made the top four and make it to land. And that's the great thing about Australia, by the way, is that consistently now for uh, this is yeah four seasons in a row there's always been a land final for contenders always and even next season all Rabbit. five seasons i will i will <laughs> so, so, so our, our na viewers know uh just to remind you guys australia better than everybody <laughs> they're big lands too and it's, it's i am sydney and then it's melbourne esports open it's just huge stages like you get like a couple thousand in the crowd so it's it's a pretty big deal for the guys that must be so nice. Land experiences is a big thing for for a lot of teams, um, and it it it's so huge because especially when you start getting to, okay, uh, contenders is less of a land these days. But like if you do get to Owl and like everything is a land, I can remember there were some teams that kind of cracked uh, on a stage. So that that land experience is so important for when you do get to those places. But unfortunately, yeah, it's just it's so difficult to make those things happen. Um, um, I mean, I will say it's like it's despite losing a bunch of lands, I think what we gained in showdown will hopefully be worth yeah. it because that that is that is more important than you know if if it if it came to be that no contenders, no region um, could afford to have a land, but we could have you know bigger and better showdowns. I'd be all for it because mm -hmm. I think I think that's really what what's going to push uh, tier two forward. That's what's going to push the teams forward, and you know. Um, drive people to want to watch and want to care and you know really close that gap between contenders and overwatch league so um yeah i i just think australia is extra lucky to have on top of that you know yeah. a land every single season as well which is going to help them a lot yeah and blizzard have been doing quite a bit to try to increase viewership i mean this last season of open division uh europe and north america were in fact streamed on the overwatch contenders channel which gets auto hosted by by the overwatch league so as soon as an overwatch league um rerun was over suddenly open division had over five thousand people watching uh which is pretty huge for the tier three uh, scene so small little changes coming in but ultimately i think they are going to be for the best uh, let's let's move on to North America now. Uh, you guys are going to be having your finals like pff, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so I'm really glad that we are having this episode now, right before that. Um, I don't know if you guys have been watching too much of the, the North American scene, if you know too much about what's been going on in Contenders, if you've got a little bit of insight on these teams, a little bit um, like thoughts on, on how it's gone. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's quite a lot of strong teams that are there, especially with like the Fusion University mix-up where they lost to uh, Mayhem. So mm -hmm. otherwise, my my bet would have been on Fusions, like a Fusion University, like hands down, yeah. to take it all. But uh, I don't know. I think it's quite a hard one to predict for me. Like, either Fusion are coming back stronger to take like revenge, prove that they're like the uh, the all being 
But uh, I don't know much about the the history beforehand or what the results were before this season. So mm-hmm. Refusion, the the reigning champions beforehand as well, and mm-hmm. Fusion have been like the only champion, right? Because yeah. they've, they've never lost a season. No, no. In fact, right. not even, not know. only have they not lost a season, they've not lost a match yeah. until uh, until until, until yeah. man until man. That's, until I just yeah, yeah. just yeah, had sorry. to add that extra one in there. But I am looking forward to the okay, I, what I think is going to be the rematch Fusion versus Mayhem rematch in the finals yeah. is, is what I yeah. predict to probably be happening. I don't know who's actually going to win that one, but that'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah that's going to be because they're both six and one um, with Mayhem taking the first seed, which is pretty huge. Uh, and that's, of course, NA East. And then over on uh, NA West, we've got Envy versus Sky Foxes. And I don't know if you guys remember Sky Foxes from last season. They were nowhere on the planet. They had they had a roster of about sixteen players and, and twenty. I'm trying staff. not to remember Sky Foxes from last year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but they just got they got picked up by Meta, which is actually pretty pog in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they cut down their their roster from about sixteen billion to like seven or eight players. And normal man, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fewer staff as well. It's a, a quality over quantity. And they've yeah. definitely proven that uh, coming through into the final here against Envy tomorrow. Envy going seven and zero, uh, and Skyfox is being six and one. I think that's going to be a pretty contested match. How do you guys think that's going to go tomorrow? Uh, I'm not too sure on that one. <sighs> I mean, I, 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 I was kind of yeah. Sorry, you go. Uh, I was just going to quickly say, like, I haven't seen Envy play much, and especially with the departure of Fisher, I'm not sure how they did with the the new addition into the team. So I don't know if that mixes up how you guys would see uh, the results coming in, but sorry, go go ahead. Yeah, um, I, I haven't been following much other than the scores of the playoffs, really. I haven't really watched any because I've been focused on, you know, playoffs. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I can't remember Envy's record last season, but I was kind of surprised to see them just kind of rolling everyone in a sense. Like, I I'm curious to see how they do. Because I think Sky Fox is getting better, of course, is very interesting, and MV2. So I, I'm curious to see how it pans out. Again, I have no knowledge of the teams, really, so I don't, I can't really predict who's going to win. But uh, if I have time, I'm sure going to check in. I want to see that match. Well, so hang on, is, uh, is it already confirmed MV versus uh, Sky Foxes? Have, have they already played the semi Oh, sorry. You know what? I am actually absolutely insane. The semifinal is today. Um, yeah. It's, it's actually like just after this because episode. I was going to say, I, I actually think Atlanta, I, I still got it out for Atlanta Academy. I think they're, I think their team's really strong. I, I really like their roster. Uh, maybe slightly biased because Perfect is on the team and he was playing in pack last season. Uh, he was actually on the winning team of pack last season. He, he's already won contenders, by the way. Okay. Um, and so I, I I think I think Atlantic Academy could still do well. I'd like to see them finals. Yeah, too, um, but I'm also, you know, again, pleasantly surprised for Meta uh, Sky Foxes because they did so poorly last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at a record, it's like one of the worst performances by any team. Uh, there's been some bad performances and it. it's definitely getting added to the pile. But, you know, this has been a huge turnaround for them and um, for, you know, I definitely want to see them do well as as well, you know. Uh, the other thing I'm quite impressed with is if you look at all the Meta team logos, it's always like a Valkyrie on like a horse. But for Meta Sky Foxes, it's just like a Zeus on a fox. It's amazing. <laughs> a flying fox. I think it's the best kind of fox, to be fair. <laughs> uh, let me see here. So, and this is not going to be mostly for you, Foxman. Um, 
you're going into trials mm-hmm. with three other open division teams and of course two previous contenders teams so uh, how are you guys feeling yeah. uh, in i east and west I, I think it might be four because the two relegated from each side yeah, but yeah, east and west there it doesn't yeah um i i'm feeling pretty good i mean i was surprised honestly with our performance in the playoffs like i thought trials was going to be a hard pass and we made that and then we just performed out of that but i i feel like with work i i'm not really scared of any team in trials right now like Mm -hmm. it's just anybody is winnable really so i i'm excited to just to practice scrim get better and see how it goes i have full confidence that we could definitely take some wins if we if if a disaster happens i'm sure we could at least take some wins off of uh some teams so i i'm really excited to get into it uh yeah, it's a new experience, so I'm ready for this kind of round robin system. So <laughs> I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about it. Tom, um, can I just get can I can I just get educated real quick? How does trials work for NA? Because there's like two regions you're trying to get into. Uh, yeah, from what I know, it should just be eight teams fighting for four spots, and then from there, I believe they get split into two into the groups. I'm not sure how that's seated, but I I, I believe it's four go up and four get kicked down to OD. Okay. So I believe that's it. Yeah. I just gotta beat four teams, man. Oh, yeah. Don't worry about it. You got, yeah. you got this. <laughs> just gotta beat four teams. Um, well, some of those teams you've already beaten, of course, in the the open division. Um, and that kind of brings me to my next question: the teams that have made it to trials yeah. from open division. Were you surprised at all by any of those teams? Was it kind of what you expected? Did you think any other teams should have made it or could have made it? I mean, I feel like the top three of open division. Uh, like the top three were probably Triumph, Wavecheck, and us. So I'm yeah. not surprised at the results of that. Yeah. Um, the fourth slot, I I thought it was so contested. I had no yeah. clue who was going to get in. There was a there was a bunch of good teams that could have gotten in. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I was very surprised that if I'm going to go, if I'm going goats, I'm going ham, and they need a rebrand. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if like I was very surprised to see them get in, not because I thought yeah. they were bad, just because I I did not really see them coming out of that mm-hmm. huge pack of that group. So, I mean, could other teams make it? Yeah, they could have. There was a lot of teams that could have made it in there. They they just happened to get in there. I'm happy they got it because from what I know, they didn't have any coaches at all. Yeah. They were just player runs. So that's very impressive that they beat all those teams and got to that point. And I'm really excited to see what they do in trials, whether it's rebrand, picking up coaches, or just sticking into their guns and just going with that. But yeah, um, I mean, is there any team I would be sad to see in? I mean, yeah, of course, like in T3, a bunch of players, you see them season after season. Eventually, you're just like mutual respect or friends or something. So, I mean, when you don't see them go, it's sad. But Mm -hmm. at a point, I think you just got to move on. GG's go next. They're going to do their own thing. You focus on trials. Yep, makes a lot of sense. And as you say, that that fourth spot was so heavily contested. I was actually following the bracket. because a good friend of mine is a, is a coach in NA. So I was watching the whole bracket and there were so many upsets and we were, we were sitting a bunch of the, a couple of coaches and managers and myself, and we were all going, what is going on in NA? Uh, it was, it was crazy. Um, that was a madness. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch as well. So uh, I'm really happy that you guys did make it through and coming into this trial season with some of the teams that we have named, um, and of course, knowing who have been playing in contenders, are there any teams that you're a little bit wary of coming up against? You know, those ex-contenders teams coming into trials. 
I mean, I'm always scared of the academy team getting booted down to trials <laughs> because it's an academy team. They can pull whoever they want, really. So mm. that's that's always like, who are they going to grab next? Um, I mean, any team like they were in contenders for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's still a scary team. Like, even though it was in contenders, and even though if they didn't get a win, if they only got one, they were still facing pretty much the best in NA, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're still top tier, and they could, any of those teams could cream open division. So it's yeah. something that you always got to be wary for. And it's really, I'm not really confident against any of the teams in a way. I'm just confident in ourselves. Like, we just got to go in, treat it like any other game, really. That's a good answer. Damn. <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, that kind of covers uh, playoffs. Um, so just for the sake of chat, um, I want to do some silly bets with our guests. Um, and just to give you some ideas, previous best uh, bets that we've had before, um, Ham Tornado did a shoey. Um, I ate a chili pepper on stream. Uh, in the last episode, we had some people do some like silly tweet bets. So if they lose, they'll post something like uh, EU better than NA with no context. Of course, this being like a like an NA player or coach. I think um, I think Opti said that he would do like uh, EU better than or NA better than EU, something like that. So I, I stand under correction. I wasn't hosting that episode, but um, silly little things like that. But these guys can't think of anything to do for their bets. So before the end of the episode, you guys, please send your ideas. Um, dye hair, eat a pepper, dance the Macarena backwards, um, come up with some silly ideas, stick them in the chat, and uh, we'll have a look at that at the end during the Q&A. And then just a reminder, please, exclamation mark grind, we'll bring you the Discord server. You can come in, join us there, uh, submit your questions in the question submission channel, or just stick them in the chat there. So we've got our first uh, suggestion, Foss Cosplays is Diva, I like it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, guys, <laughs> keep it coming, and uh, we'll get to those at the end of the episode. We're going to be moving on now to a really cool, uh, we're going to be talking about the World Cup a little bit later, but something that I really wanted to talk about now are some of the changes to the game, two changes in particular. The first being, of course, the new workshop mode and um, the changes to Grandmaster stacking. And I think we'll start with the stacking because that's a How am I supposed to get my SNL, guys? Come on. Jesus <laughs> no. Please, bro, just one stack, bro. <laughs> How are you guys Go feeling goats. about this change? I'm super excited for it. So excited. It's just the worst feeling when you're grinding solo, do whatever it is, and you see the stack. Or there's all the stacks of cheaters that have been going around in EU. I don't know if you've heard about those. But there's, what? It's gonna make, I think it's going to change the attitude towards rank a lot as well, and it's going to change SR and positioning of players, maybe give it a bit more value. So mm-hmm. I'm really yeah, looking forward I- to grinding more ranked. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I feel like the rank change, I, I, I feel it because like, I feel like some people get their SR like, oh, hey, I peaked 4,600, but they were in like a four stack all the way. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like they, you were basically playing scrims at that point. Um, <laughs> and there are some people that are kind of stuck there and they aren't bad players, but they keep getting unlucky bad games like, oh, hey, here's this Torb thrower given Torb's kind of good now and you want them on your team. But uh, uh, it's just some players kind of need that stack in a way to get up. It's, it's well, kind of weird. Out here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't really play right. <laughs> yeah, but I do, I do agree with A10 here. I, I think having the stack speed increased or just solo queue and duo, whatever, will be better 
and more enjoyable. I'll probably certainly play more ranked because three stacks kind of control the game. If you want to go goats, you lot goats and everybody has to form around you. But if you're a duo, you really can't do that in a way. So I'm excited to see less like, hey, here's the six stack forcing goats at 3 a.m. for, for <laughs> SR in more. Hey, here's these actually like good players playing with each other and trying to get it, given they're still the uh, thrower risk and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But I, I do think this could be positive for rank. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not much of a rank player, so I'm gonna give my thoughts in maybe a different manner. I just it's just coming from a perspective of like, okay, what have been kind of the problems with rank that people mostly complain about? Or, you know, what 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 kind of moves? Um, are kind of going in that direction. So what this change kind of does from my perspective is, first of all, it kind of gives people sort of a mode they've been wanting, right? A lot of people request like, oh, hey, can we do a solo queue? Can we do something like that? But the problem is in a game like Overwatch, if you add a solo queue as a separate queue, the queue times in general for everything is just going to go up, especially with GM, right? The GM mm -hmm. needs shorter game, needs shorter queues because there's less people in GM. So I think reducing it to, you know, solo and duo kind of means that, well, now hopefully you get faster queue times because everyone, you know, you're not huge stacks trying to go into this, like, whatever matchmaking formula is trying to find an equal team to play against you and it just makes things really difficult, especially in small regions. I think, like, for NA and EU, um, you know, it's... You're populated enough, it's probably not a big issue, but you'll anyone that's ever tried to play in uh, Australia, for example, which is, you know, only Australians or people that were at the Australian World Cup for 2017 will know it's like, especially anywhere above 4K, and this is not, not really from my experience. Again, I'm not much of a ranked player, but, you know, um, I talk to a lot of pros and they will, they will always... Have, up until recently, they always VPN queued NA because the games are better. And like, there's a lot of like, probably frustrated NA players like, oh, why are these like Australian players VPNing here and all that crap? But it's just like, you can't get GM games in Australia. So you don't really have an option, right? So um, this maybe helps the queue times, which helps people get back into Australia. And also Australia's had a big push recently to get their GM level players back into their own um back into their own region. This is all the players banding together. Say, hey, if we all come together and we all queue together at certain times to make GM games viable, we can do that. And the second thing about this change is like, um, um, you know, hopefully, it, you know, you know what the other guys have said, you know, in terms of cheating or in terms of stacking games, feeling unfair, hopefully it sort of evens the playing ground a little bit for that high level where you know that if you're queuing, everyone else that you've queued with is either solo or duo, so it feels a lot more um, fair. Yeah, I think also it's a, it's a really good fix in general because uh, it's also three seconds you can definitely abuse the system. So depending mm -hmm. on when you queue, who you queue with, you, uh, so I, I don't know. I think this this change just has a, yeah, it's an amazing impact on the game. Like I, I I have played a lot of three stack. I've done a lot of stacking. It's fun. I've, mm -hmm. I've done my things in solo duo, but uh, yeah. Sorry, I just yeah. want to put that in. I think the only thing that kind of sticks out to me and look trust me the pros far outweigh this one con um and that's just like for me personally now don't get me wrong i am nowhere near gm i do not profess to be a high level player but a game like overwatch i don't enjoy playing with with um with pugs with randoms uh, i like to play with my friends which is the main reason i stack so i feel like it might detract a little bit from that uh, obviously in the lower ranks you can do it now this might encourage high level players to create smurf so that they can play with their friends i don't know 
if you guys had any thoughts on on that side of the coin um yeah i did i'll start by saying that i think it's not much it's not not going to be as much of a problem at a high level and uh hopefully the players who can back me up it's like i think once you're at the 4k plus region people generally are competitive enough that you just want to play you just want to play good games you don't really at that point uh it's less about without wanting to like you know into real serious business it's less about like people really wanting to queue with friends for like a friend game rather than like hey i really want to grind i really want to get a high ranking here i really want to practice here it's like it's like almost a different game in terms of what you're there for i think the intention of why gm's queue is going to be very different to like everyone diamond and below where i think a lot of people there um, if you just want to play some Overwatch, yeah, you do just want to um, queue with your friends. So I think maybe it comes down, it will, it will probably come down to, you know, again, your your intention of why you're queuing and uh, that heavily being different at a GM level, in my opinion. I can agree with that. I mean, yeah. I've still played for fun at like uh, what I would, I mean, it, like it's all in the skills. So for, for me, like GM or like low GM, 4.2, whatever, it's, it's still smurfing. So in that region, I would especially in the past i just stack with friends for fun you know mm-hmm. but uh so there's still people who want to stack for fun at that sr but overall yeah. there's there's no way that's enough reason for the the pros of uh, stopping stacking yeah well uh fun little fact from uh eu open division and um obviously this is like more focused on on na and pac but this is just a fun story there's a team that have um absolutely destroyed open division eu they're called clockwork vendetta last season they were known as no you otp um and (laughs) holy cow so last season they came through with this one trick composition i can't remember what they ran last season um it was basically was like arissa hog reaper may uh anna and then lucia or zen yeah that was last season um, and they didn't make it, uh, they made it into playoffs, but they were defeated before they managed to get uh, into the top spots. And of course, because there was only one spot, uh, they never made it into trials. This season, they've come back, they've changed a few players. They're now called Clockwork Vendetta, and they've swapped out the, the Reaper for a Torbjorn. And <laughs> they have gone undefeated in open division. <laughs> they won open division and will be playing in trials. The thing that I wanted, the, the thing that makes this a fun story is that they don't scrim. Um, their practices are six stacking comp. So <laughs> good luck to you guys. Yeah, I've experienced uh, some of that. Did you did you did you watch the their final? Did they like smash the final, or what are we I talking about? Their final, in fact. Um, oh, even sorry. better! Well, <laughs> you tell. They were playing against a team known as Wind and Rain, uh, and it's a lot of well-known players, like ex-contenders sure. players. You got Berglund, you got Kara, Dani, Morsi, uh, Faye, like a really, really stacked roster, and they're being coached by FNX, and. Um, Oh, it was so highly contested. In the regular season, I think they went, I think the scoreline was like 3-1 to Clockwork Vendetta. And then sometime in the playoffs, uh, Wind and Rain, uh, it was it was in the winner's final. Uh, the scoreline was 3-2. Uh, they came through and they were like, we're just going to run some some random stuff and hope for the best. And they they ran like quad DPS, triple DPS, super spam damage. Um, Ash, Junkrat, Farah, as much spam as they could possibly muster. And they brought it up to a 3-2. And then they, uh, Wind and Rain lost, went down to the losers bracket, the losers final, came back into the the grand final, and then lost again three one. Um, 
the only team that I know <laughs> of and can confirm 100% ha- that have beaten Clockwork Vendetta, and I do speak under correction, this is just from my own knowledge, was Shoes Money Crew in the, the Tournament of Future Champions, which of course is a contenders team. So, and this was before they got their new Torbjorn player known as Engineer. So, and that dude is scary. He, he's one of these guys, you know, Kobe, he literally, he Kobe is Smith. It probably is. Yeah. <laughs> it would not surprise me in the least. He'll be on the other side of Paris and he'll Kobe his molten core across the map and kill three people. Um, just the most insane Torbjorn player you've Carb ever seen. Carb is scary, uh, man. <laughs> can, I, can I just get a, a really quick... Um, I just want to know for sure. So they only played... Aris- like, from what I know from last season, that just, they were just the Arissa Hog team. It seems like they're there again. So did they literally win only play they never like played anything else or well uh so until the winners final against wind and rain they had never swapped off then wind swap? and rain yeah wind and rain started playing the the spam heavy composition and suddenly we saw their anna come out on on widowmaker oh. scary that dude hits his shots he's an <laughs> anna player and he just absolutely destroys people on that widow it's impressive we, uh. we saw a couple of swap ups uh, in response to what wind and rain were playing like wind and rain really pushed them hard um so i think in trials it's going to be uh, interesting to watch it, it is a hot topic amongst all of the eu coaches at the moment um and just <laughs> how did contenders like- players lose so that's it's, it's hard to play against Bunker, <laughs> yeah so. yeah it's totally Bunker, hard to so. play against yeah, but like, couldn't you couldn't you pick maps or you know couldn't you like it's not good on every part of the game. This is the problem. It's like okay, it's good I here guess. or there, but then you're going to get to a part of the game, a certain part of a map or a certain map where it's like it's not viable anymore. You can't run this, and at that point, the, they, I feel like the other team should just win. They run attack bunker and win attack bunker Numbani attack just, bunker Eichenwald. They win. Because <laughs> yeah. I guess my thing. My thinking is like, okay, maybe they played this up until the finals. Then they're like, just kidding, guys. Let's go goats. No, but that's not that's not what it is. No, they just they no, won with no. bunker. That's they're, they're, they've been known before. The yeah, before before they're known in like open division and stuff. They were just known as the OTP people. Like you get the their main tank in the team. It's only Arisa, you know. So it's but like fits shouldn't with. Shouldn't they their... be predictable? Shouldn't like teams be like, oh, it's this team, you know. Like, it doesn't make it's, sense. It's hard to play At a point, there's so much scary crap that you can put against Bunker, man. Sometimes it's just dive in, pray, spam them out, something. And I will say that it's a bit of a joke. I've had NA coaches in my DMs like, how did EU lose to that Bunker comp? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so match when? Show us how you can defeat this. The thing that yeah. I will point out about Tier 3 is that it doesn't have the same resources, so it doesn't have the same level of coaching. Um... I don't believe that should Clockwork make it to contenders, I think they'll get mostly rolled um, because the caliber of coach in tier two is just that much higher. Coaches I think even in trials. Three, yeah, and exactly. Because there are two contenders teams that are now in trials, uh, Eternal Academy and uh, Young and Beautiful. And the thing is, it's not even just the coaching because there are some really big brain coaches in tier three. But the reason that players are in tier three, like... As difficult, you know, this is, here's your hard to swallow pill for the day. Um, <laughs> most players in tier three are in tier three for a reason. So a coach will say to you, theoretically, right? I have watched their composition and this composition will very likely beat it. Bearing in mind that one, they can't scrim against the composition. The only time they come against it is officials because this team doesn't uh, scrim. Just try, run, and two, just try and run into them in ranked. Yeah, yeah, try and snipe them. <laughs> try and Q snipe them in ranked. <laughs> 
Um, and then, of course, everything is theoretical. So they will say to their players, this is what you need to be doing. When their Zarya does this, our Zarya needs to do this. When they do this, okay, not Zarya, obviously, but when Roadhog does this, um, Diva, eat the hook. Diva, eat the orb. Diva, eat the, the um, biotic grenade. Diva, try to eat everything with your two-second cooldown matrix. Um, so they can theoretically tell the players, this is what you need to do. But players in Tier 3, they a lot of them don't have the same... Um, mechanical skill level as the players in tier two. And so very often they can't execute what the coaches have been saying. So it's very yeah. easy to just say, just go goats and, and roll over them forehead. Uh, <laughs> Shoes Money Crew beat them with honor goats. But again, Shoes Money Crew, not... I, mm. I Yeah, I fully, by the way, I fully agree with you. I, I think that, especially like Arisa hard comps, if you're going up against, you know, you're going through open division, you're probably playing against reasonably inexperienced teams most of the way you're going to roll them because it's a very noob stompy kind of uh, composition but i just think the part that's surprising to me is everything holds up up until you get the grand final it's like ex-contenders players coach team and it's just like how does that team lose i understand for like every other team it's like you're tier three maybe you don't have coaching maybe you get nervous maybe you know you don't know what you're doing in the heat of the moment but i just think if, if you're going up against any form of experienced team mm. that doesn't have that as a weakness or doesn't have that holding them back, like you just theoretically shouldn't be able to lose, right? Like that's the part that blows my mind. I think everything is true up until you get to the end. Yeah, I think it's a lack of practice though. I think yeah. there, there goes a lot into it and that how they've dismantled like GOATS, for example, because they've had... It's a... But they, they don't, don't scrim, play right? so... Yeah, they don't scrim. But yeah. No, but they don't scrim. GOATS and comp and blah, blah, blah. OTPs, they know how to play... I actually don't know how to do about scrimming. This thing is like if you if you're not even scrimming, and you're just relying on ranked, you're not ever gonna go up against probably a good team in ranked. It's ranked at the end of the day, even if it's goats. Not really goats. You're not goats require so much yeah. coordination. No team in ranks doing that. No. You're not actually getting any quote unquote, real practice in my opinion. So it's just that's why it just kind of blows my mind that they they can get that far. I would like to see how far how much further they can go. In fact, I. After this, I, yeah. I wouldn't mind um, looking over the vlogs and just maybe doing my own analysis on it because it is very interesting to me now just hearing about how far they've gone even this season. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is the grand final, the first two or three maps were streamed live so that VOD is available, but um, because it was overlapping, it was about to overlap with OWL, we had to cut it early. So the grand final will be rebroadcast tomorrow uh, on the Contenders channel. I don't know the exact time, unfortunately. Um, I can tell you what time the first game will start because there were four games uh, that we're going to be premiering tomorrow. Um, is it a VOD? Is you like, is you like um, rebroadcasting the completed match? Yeah, well, rebroadcasting, re let me put it like right. that. Uh, I, we, yeah. we recorded um, like a local recording and then we, we are rebroadcasting because again, Owl, uh, Owl started mm -hmm. earlier, so we weren't able to. Uh, it's starting at 8 a.m. ET, which is 1 p.m. BST. Um, so you guys, the, the, that's when the first game will go live. Uh, and then um, the, obviously, the grand final will be at the end of that. So you guys are welcome to go and check that out. Please do. Uh, I would love to hear everybody's opinions on the on the OTP team. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a really surprising. The thing is, though, as you say, so you mentioned about the contenders teams, and they did. They are the only team to have forced those guys to swap off. So when you when you think of it like that, they did, in a sense, um, push them to that to that extreme. Uh, where they where they swapped off of that composition, swapped onto the Widowmaker to deal with the Farah, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I mean, they're still a good team. So I, I would actually love to hear if you did like a stream analysis thing, I would be there. So 
putting that out there. Um, no, I think it would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that. There you go. That's my bet. I'll finally stream. I've never done a stream. Oh, really? Let's go. <laughs> we did it, boys. <laughs> All right, uh, we went way off topic there, um, but it was something I just wanted to highlight because it's just a fun story. Um, new workshop mode. So, um, yeah, what do you guys think of this? Have you seen any fun things that have come through? For those that don't know, that it's like a little coding mode where you can create your own interesting things uh, around the game. Somebody made a Brigitte that, I think it was Stylosa, I can't remember, but somebody made a Brig with this giant dome shield and then yeah, when so you press shift, cool. if you like flail, it victory screen comes up you just insta win the game so you can do lots <laughs> of like amazing. interesting things my favorite one that i um, saw was a bastion that shoots little baby torbs that run away run around hammering oh, people wait really that's scary <laughs> yeah what okay i like the okay i didn't know that let's see yeah i was um, i was a bit worried when i saw workshop come out because i was just i was just i'm a bit wary of any overwatch update really but uh, like it was <laughs> it was fine uh and i started seeing some cool stuff like my brother was telling me i think two days ago that somebody made like a um weeping angel like mode from like doctor who in it <laughs> three mercies would me. chase a mccree and the mccree <laughs> would freeze the mercies if he had them in his los and the mercies had to melee him or something like it was really cool and i was i didn't really know and i didn't really follow oh, the workshop goodness. but i heard of some cool modes so that was that was something cool that i that i heard about I don't know if anyone follows um, this is like fan Overwatch account that tweets a lot of really good stuff called Overwatch Nairi N A E R I. It's a Korean account, but they they did like a compilation of fun modes and workshop. And there's like um, someone made a battle royale mode where like there's actually a circle that closes. And I don't I don't know how it works, <laughs> but like I assume it's just a bat real battle royale. Um, there's also just like a tag mode. We just you know it's like you're 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 playing tag essentially, and you know there's a bunch of racing modes, which I actually think are quite funny. Um, there's yeah. the Hammond racing, there's Lucio racing, um, and a, a bunch of stuff like that. I'm personally, I'm don't tell Blizzard, but I'm waiting to see if someone can make Team Fortress Three in the workshop. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I did see that was recent. If you don't see me casting in a couple of days, you know why. <laughs> uh, so you're not going to do it yourself. You're just going to kind of hope somebody else does it. <laughs> no, I have no skill. I got no skill in the workshop to do this myself. I'm, I'm just, see, I'm just trying to see if anyone will do it. Um, one thing that I did see that was created recently by one of the French casters, uh, Hammerkick. I don't know uh, if you guys yeah. know him. Yeah, I know Hammerkick. Well. Yeah. yeah, he's created uh, what's called the Easy Scrims mode, um, and I'm just trying to find all of the information. Um, and it's great. It does like, uh, here we go, here we go. Version one does this. Automatic scrim management. Map rotation is on, so you don't have to go back to lobby. Control maps end after three rounds were played, regardless of the current score. All other maps will end after both teams attack once. If a team doesn't finish a map, the system puts them at three points so the other team can fully play the map. On hybrid and payload maps, if the map was not completed and the team was on a payload part during the second attack, the yellow mark will stay as a way to compare your performance while being able to fully play the map. Uh, and you can remove that feature based, they, they can remove it uh, based on feedback if like the HUD looks weird or whatever. And then assemble heroes phase is skipped entirely to like save yourself some time. So he's basically like optimized the way that scrims are done uh, using the workshop mode, which I think is- Hammerkick made that's, that? That's impressive. Hammerkick made that. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, he applying, is he applying for a job at Blizzard in time? Because I, I think he should be <laughs> 
this is this is insane. This is amazing. Like I, I mean, you guys will probably say it too, but like this is insane for just helping to organize scrims. Yeah, I'll actually yeah, I'll I'll post be... a, a link to the the scrim workshop um, Discord in our server. So anybody that wants a link to that hash, uh, exclamation mark grind come hop in uh, i'll post it there in the in the announcement channel and then managers and coaches can come check it out i think most of them have it by now because he did post it in the the staff server but if there are players that want to get a hold of it or whatever as well i can pop that link in there for you guys yeah i i gotta admit when i was hearing about like when i saw this question coming up like i i was thinking about it and in workshop i didn't really see how it could improve it right like it's like how can you really improve scrims but after after like seeing like how uh, you can make somebody freeze if you have LOS on them, you can make somebody die if you finger gun McCree. Like <laughs> ha you can do that, right? And hearing about that, that's actually really cool. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes really that. I guess it, it takes out the slow parts of scrims, and that mm -hmm. that could optimize the scrim, and that that's really cool. And I'll support that. I didn't think I was going to be playing Workshop, oh. but if that ends up being the meta of scrims, I'm down for that. So they, here's the other, here's the only thing, I don't know if this was mentioned, the only thing I would add to this, um, Hammerkick, if you're listening, is if there was like a pre-ready-up warm-up phase where it's just basically DM and you can randomly spawn around and fight, I think for scrims, that's like, is a, is a really nice kind of luxury because just to be able to warm up in the lobby, you know, you're hanging out, because a lot of times you're just waiting, looking at a screen while people join, but I if mean, you there could, is that already. There's a site that... Have you heard of yeah. that? I, I have what? played it before. It's quite fun. Oh, yeah, Sides of Lobby. It's like a, it's like a custom game. You, like uh, all the characters have unique things to them. So you just randomly spawn as one of them. Like one of them, uh, Hanzo has like infinite space bars and he floats. So he's like Hanzo shoot, like flying through the sky, shooting okay. tracer, infinite blinks, and infinite ammo, stuff like this. Well, if you put so, it all together and you you have it in like one nice complete scrim package where you could have the warm up and then have all the scrim features, so it sounds like it'd be pretty. The other thing that he's also doing is um, practice stuff, uh, and he was asking around in the in the staff server for coaches and, and managers to ask their players what kind of warm-ups they'd like to see. Uh, I, I didn't follow the whole conversation, but just as an example, uh, two quick examples. One was like Lucio. So you speed boost a point and it times how fast you get there. And then when you get there, it teleports you back to spawn immediately. So you can keep practicing how quickly you get to spawn and um, you know try and get that as quick as possible. The other one was like when you throw Diva Bomb, um, it'll show you exactly where it lands. Cause obviously that's after, really if good. You, if you, yeah, yeah. So if you're like Kobeing, then you can't really see exactly where it landed. So, so that and Byronade could be huge. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's found a way. I think there's so much that can be done with the workshop to really help players improve, like just over and above all the fun things that'll happen. Yeah. That's actually insane. I didn't know about all these things that were, were possible with the workshop. So yeah, I'm even more excited like for it. Whenever I've thought like, oh, I want to train boostering up here, landing on the ledge, and then shoving the diva bomb off the ledge, like practicing that sort of stuff, it's hard to because one of the things I've never really enjoyed about esports in the sense of you can't practice in the sense of drills like you can with sports. Like it's mm -hmm. just a lot of here's your scrims, that's it. There mm -hmm. isn't okay now. Let's go to this station, do X, Y, and Z. But with the workshop, what you're saying, like Lucio's practicing rollouts, that's huge. Not in the sense, like, normally you would just go, okay, I'm going to go to point and then speed back. 
And it's just okay, <laughs> whatever. That, that loses a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. But for uh, like the the Lucio rollout, you could get so many reps in, and you could get it muscle memory down to roll out to point. And I'm like with the diva bomb, knowing where your bomb lands, that can help a diva player a lot. Know where their bombs are going and exactly pinpoint what to do, when to boost your X, Y, and Z. So I'm really excited for that. I'm just getting excited from workshop from this podcast. But yeah, the, the possibilities are getting pretty good. Here's the thing is like, if you can replace Kovacs aim trainer with workshop, that would be like you mm. win, right? Because at stage, you, you can you can just do the aim training within the game itself, which should be better than doing it as in a third oh, 100%. Program, cause 100%. That would be massive. Because you're, you're actually playing the game, you know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think if you could replicate stuff in Kovacs and just play Overwatch, I mean, that would that would raise the skill ceiling. That would raise the skill bar for a lot of players. I would love that. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah. All right, get on it, hammer kick. I'm watching. <laughs> I do just want to point out, sorry, I had a bit of a space cake moment there. Uh, he was helped by Mr. Pig, who I believe works with uh, Nuriki in EU. So just so that everybody knows, like he hasn't been doing it alone. He did have help. But it's those two guys uh, that have been working on optimizing the scrim thing. Yeah. So if you guys had some ideas and stuff, um, yeah, Solheim, I did mention that it was just an idea uh, that he, I don't know if he has managed to actually uh, code it in or whatever, but it was just give an idea of what sort of things people are asking for and, and um, how the workshop might be able to be used to to help teams practice in the future. So I, I'm really excited for the, for the, the workshop mode. I think it's going to bring a lot of utility, uh, a lot of helpful possibility for for teams and stuff but uh, we are running dangerously low on time here so (laughs) let's uh let's move quickly along to the next or rather the last um set topic which is obviously the world cup um and this is something that we spoke about on the grind on our very first episode um and now it's really cool that we get to kind of come full circle and five or six months later and get to talk about it again. World Cup has been confirmed for 2019, but the information that we've received, received obviously because it's been the initial announcement has been a little bit limited and a little bit ambiguous. Um, I think the first question I wanted to ask you guys are what are your thoughts on every single game being played in Hammer, uh, in Anaheim and like what kind of repercussions will this have for the teams in terms of preparation and travel and all the various things that go with it? I mean... I think I actually think it's a good idea to have it all in one instead of uh, multiple. I mean, assuming it have the same structure, right? But just all in one spot. I mean, it, it depends on the person, right? Some people like to travel. There's there's other things that I could possibly not be thinking about. But to me, from what I know, it makes sense to have all of it in one spot. Do all the group stages. It seems a lot simpler and easier to manage. So, for me personally, I I like that. Well, here's what I'll say is um you you really can't understate how important the group stages were so i got there's two sides of this coin by the way because um there's a lot of things i like about what is happening this year and there's also a lot of things i think uh, we're going to be missing out on because i i was i was at bangkok um which is the only stage i've been to but um just going to World Cup stage and seeing how it is. It's like every single stage. There were there, typically there were four stages, right? Every single stage was its own like World Cup event, and it was just such a big deal for drawing and the local people to come and watch, um, for the players to get such important stage time for the just like the the scale and the hype and the you know the the level of the tournament being displayed. I don't think anyone would dislike watching 
you know, the group stage. I think those were like really, really hype. And I think um, not having those is going to, is going to hurt. But I also think the other side of the coin is uh, so Mushu. They don't have the, the group stages anymore? The same no, structure? So just in it's, no, it's the, so the way, the as far as I can tell, based mm-hmm. on the announcement, and um, so, in, in, as I was saying, Mushu Beef did a tweet about this, um, breaking it down really well, and he had some really uh, good comments on it that I definitely agree with. It. So it's essentially, um, I think I believe the week leading up to BlizzCon, and someone please tell me if I'm wrong here, the week leading up to BlizzCon is like a preliminary stage where if you're a team outside the top 10, any, any team in the world can come and play, but you basically have to pay your own way to get there if you're outside the top 10. Oh, um, okay. And then and then um, the actual group stage happens day one of BlizzCon, and that's just between two groups of five teams, so just the top 10. And then you go into playoffs and all that afterwards. So the actual, like, you know, what we know as a group stage from last year and the year beforehand, you know, being four different areas around the world and, like, mm-hmm. 24 teams that's that's not really a thing anymore so now it's like um okay because the calendar is because the calendar is so stacked um it's like if you think about an overwatch league is going to run till you know later on in the year then you got two contender seasons down from three but both the seasons are longer then you have all the show the the two showdown events and gauntlet Mm -hmm. once you put everything together there's actually no space to put like any more world cup group stages i was actually concerned there wasn't going to be a world cup at all i think there was a lot of rumors floating around that world cup was dead this year and i i personally i i I basically bought i ate that because i was like how are they going to fit it in doesn't make sense so the fact that we even have a world cup I'm quite thankful for because yeah. in my opinion, we weren't even going to have one. I didn't think we were going to have one. Yeah, so that's like a nice surprise, right? Um, but they can't fit everything in. So the only way you can do this is to say like, we'll skip everything else. We're just going to do what normally happens at BlizzCon for the World Cup with there's like eight teams. But that's not yeah. really fair on the rest of the world. So let's make it 10 teams instead. And then on top of that, if you feel like you're good enough to play, let's say your team number 11 or 12 or 13, you probably will do a fundraiser, a crowdfund or whatever to get your six-band team or your coach or whatever to fly over to BlizzCon and compete because you might be able to make the playoffs. Um, the only thing that's sad is for teams, excuse me, teams a little bit further out of that. So if you're like, you know, how um, World Cup used to be 32 teams and 24 teams, if you're any team past like say 14 or 15 you realistically probably don't have a chance so you're not going to see as many teams show up um just Mm. as um you know what i think might happen just because of how expensive it's going to be um that's the part that's really going to suck is you're 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 going to miss out on a bunch of teams probably Mm. yeah yeah i think the biggest thing for me is that now there's the age restriction um and the, the first thing that pops into my head was eclipse from Team Austria, who played so insanely well in the last World Cup. He was 17, 16. Um, and so we might not see that kind of talent at the World Cup stage. And that's that to me was the the biggest um, kind of letdown. I think overall, I, as, as Avril pointed out, I'm really glad that we are going to have a World Cup. I think it does a lot to, you know, inspire some of that patriotism uh, between players and get a little bit of like rivalry going some some fun banter kind of like the like owl but you know with actual countries um owl being the having players from all different countries in each team or whereas the world cup it's it's actual proper patriotism it's it's denmark with their danish players and it's it's um france with their french players and people can really rally behind that so i really do enjoy 
the World Cup. It's just the age restriction thing felt a little bit eh, yeah. to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I understand why they have the age restriction, right? I think it makes it easier for logistics and all that, but mm-hmm. I I really don't enjoy it in the sense of, like you said, Eclipse miss, is going to miss out. Like all, all yeah, this stuff. Players. Yeah, there's a lot of players who are under the age limit who are really nutty and probably could play because like they don't have as much of a spotlight because they might be in a lower region or they might be on a lower team, that sort of thing. And they might get their shot because there's not really that many players of their country, you know, because if like, mm-hmm. let's say I tried out for USA, there's no way I'm even getting a tryout because there's like 15 <laughs> other off tanks in NA that are owl level plus that's like, that just get in, you know? Mm-hmm. But for a country that's probably a little less pool, some people can show off their skills and that's a big like stage for them. One of the things I am thinking about is that we might not get another Flower again. Flower was very young and under the age limit, and he popped the hell off in World Cup. It was massive. I'm, I, I didn't really know about Flower because I didn't really feel, follow the Korean stage or Korean players that much, so I'm assuming he was already out there. But Flower was exposed to a lot. And to think that some players who might be like nutty as him but can't go to the World Cup because they're underage... Mm-hmm. is pretty sad to me yeah i think you gotta i is eclipse in contenders uh yes he was he was he he was in an na team which team was he on he was on nervous auto chlorum uh at the end of the last open division season and they went up to trials but they didn't make it into contenders uh, and then at the end of that season, like the whole team got picked apart and picked up by various NA teams. So I do remember he was on an NA team, but I think he has left now. Yeah, because my my line of thinking is that despite this, hopefully, you know, if if they are really good players, they're on contenders teams and they can go to the international contenders mm-hmm. events. Because I think that's the other that's that's the other way to go, right? And in fact, if you really want to get picked up or you really want to advance your career. The gauntlet should be a bigger deal than than World Cup is this year for for sure. If it if it's not, I would be a little disappointed because that's like you know the the top 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 tier of contenders across the whole world playing against each other. It's like you know if you're in that and you're a young player, I think this is how you excel now. Um, even despite you know what's going on with with the World Cup stuff. And again, I, I think the the even having the World Cup this year is already a pretty big deal. So um, I'm not I'm not saying like. There shouldn't be more or anything like that, but I just think like the fact that it even exists is like, whoa, we we actually have a World Cup versus not having it. Um, so hopefully for young players, they can still make their way through contenders or you know get on other events and um, and stuff like that. What I will say though is for players that are eighteen, maybe this opens up opportunities for 18 plus players and those are the guys that realistically can go to overwatch league right now so you know maybe them having that opportunity first is a bit of a yeah mm-hmm. the, when i think of like the age limit i think of it to the net the dutch community and the dutch team for us our strongest main tank player is under the the age right so that means there's not as many options at the same caliber that he is so that limits the strength of the the country as a whole so yeah. I think that's kind of that's why I really personally don't like it. So yeah. The one thought that I did have was that this this comes to uh possibly turning the World Cup into a, a an owl scouting ground. So not in terms of like, oh, we can get this guy in 3 years time when he's old enough. It's like this person's popped off now, he's mm-hmm. of age. Now we can pick him up. 
now. So that might yeah. be the thought process that they're that they're going through. Oh yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. It just hurts some <laughs> countries maybe a little bit. So I mean I'll be honest, like I yeah, um I I was on World Cup twenty seventeen. Awkward it was as well, he's not here today, uh rep. But um he you know, in twenty seventeen, like we for Team New Zealand we took three miners there. We had three parents and three miners. We had like twelve people that we took over to the States for World Cup was pretty nuts. So, yeah, a lot of teams were definitely hurt before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think luckily most of Australia's players will be turning 18 just in time. So they kind of get a little bit lucky there. But, um, yeah, I think logistically it's like, I think it's quite tough for minors to get to, to be an event like that um, from an organizer's point of view. So, yeah, sad. But All right. that's what we got, I, I guess. I think overall, um, just reiterating, just happy to be having a World Cup once again. Oh, for and, sure. And it's, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really cool that we've got so many events this year. I know the calendar has been an absolute mess. Um, we've literally gone from Open Vision Trials contenders, Open Vision Trials contenders, then it's going to be Showdown, Gauntlet, World Cup, Owl, and then with Owl running in between. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it has been absolutely insane with very few breaks. And I think teams are tired, but I think they're pumped. Um, I'm so, and- I'm impressed they managed to fit it all together. I mean, you say it's yeah, a mess, but I'm say, like, I'm like that's, a, that's a jigsaw puzzle that <laughs> start piece, and it's like how, but they did it, and I'm I'm so impressed that the, it's all come together. I think it's been this should be the best year for T2 and T3 we've ever seen. Yeah, it's been really great uh, just seeing how teams have rallied together. I think the the only thing is now tier three teams are feeling a bit lost uh, because the next open division season is probably only in December. So really? the, the, yeah, it's going to be pretty far away. They said two seasons per year, and this was season two. So season one will likely only be at like at the end of December. Um, so tier three teams are feeling a little bit lost, but I do understand because time. now mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on in between now. Um, but other than that, uh, there's just been so much amazing progress from having tier three on the contenders channel to having the the uh, showdown and the gauntlet events. Um, announced and then we've got world cup on top of that because everyone thought that the gauntlet would be the reason there was no world cup and hey surprise there is still a world cup on top of everything else that's going on so i'm i've been really happy with how much uh competitive stuff blizzard have been pushing out i think one thing i would like to see more is is t3 events and i think it's it's not just blizzard i think like everyone i think you know um when elo held did the you know whatever the the something uh champions of the future tournament Something like that. That yeah, that's yeah. really One that's that really good. Bang them up. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay, sorry for flex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, flex it out. Um, more of those are really great. Obviously, like it puts you know the pressure on organizers to try and do those. But I think, like what you said about T three, kind of feeling lost in between seasons. I hope if there's if there's more to do, if uh, if more people step up to say, hey, we're going to put on a tournament, or like here's some stuff to do, that would really help out T three as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I've done a little bit of advertising in between, so I'll just do a little bit more while I'm at it. Um, There's a brand new community that's just popped up, and I will be having the director on an episode at some point, so watch this space. It is called Monkey Bubble, and they've started a server called the Overwatch Exchange, and they're busy planning some tournaments, the Monkey Bubble tournament, and how it works is... It, it kind of works on a point-based system. So, and I'll have him on to explain everything nicely at another, at another stage. Uh, it's focusing mostly on T2, Tier 3, and they watch 
tier two, tier three events. So uh, things like the get goods, the TFCs, the uh, like winter assembly, all of those um, events that are already happening. And then for participants, for simply participating, you'll get a point and then you get points based on your standing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the top performing teams will get invites to this tournament. Um, and then at this tournament, they also have, you can apply to be a scout and they, they give you so much stuff. They, they'll give you POVs for every single player. They'll give you stats. They'll give you all the information you need if you watch this, this tournament and you like a particular player. They've got this big brain agency where um, they're trying to match teams with uh, managers and coaches. So uh, teams will approach them and then managers and coaches will approach them. It's kind of like a dating app, but for for players finding finding staff. So they're doing a lot in the tier three scene. And I think because a lot of these projects tend to kind of fizzle, but I've, I've spoken with this guy. There's so much drive. There's so much determination. So if he keeps going, hopefully, um, much like what happened with BGG and Elo Hell, they might get a little bit of support from Blizzard. And we might see this Tier 3 team, uh, or rather Tier 3 scene, uh, really revive up. So please look forward to that next episode, uh, whenever that might be. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for that. That kind of goes hand in hand, because recently we've been seeing some more T3 like tournaments pop up, like Zotac coming back um meta threads sponsoring a tournament like having uh, some more t3 tournaments so that goes hand in hand that's actually really exciting and i'm glad that's happening yeah. for sure yeah i think i've seen something about the the monkey bubble thing uh someone put it on twitter so it looked yeah that, that actually sounds amazing so i'm glad there's going to be something there because there was a while ago right where the uh, tier two people had a meeting with blizzard over like hey we want more things for the mm -hmm. tier three scene like you know like I think they weren't allowing, but then they allowed tournaments to come through. Mm -hmm. Could be completely wrong on that. So I'm glad to see there's progress in that yeah. uh, development. All right, I think that will bring us to the end of our scheduled topics for the evening or morning, afternoon, depending where in the world you are. Um, just a quick reminder, exclamation mark grind. You can come join our Discord. We are going to be going on to the Q&A section now. Uh, we don't have too many questions, so this is going to be fairly quick. Guys, once again, we wanted to do a prediction, um, like a fun bet, but we haven't had too many suggestions. If we don't get suggestions, we might have to scrap that. So last chance, what you would like to see our guests do should they lose a bet please get those in as quickly as possible and i'll uh, do the the few little questions that did come in so uh the first one is i'm assuming for, for basically uh well probably just for the players do you guys think sr doesn't matter at all because in my new team everyone is like 4.2 with 4.4 peak or something and one of them is like 3.8 or 3.9 with a 4k peak so how how heavily does sr affect um you know your ability to play in a team to find a team your actual skill what what relevance does does sr really have uh i think that sr has relevance into exposure and finding a team because that's that's what helped with me like being at the top of the ladder that's what most of the people see it helps you get your name out there uh so i think sr has its value in that however to represent your skill in a team environment and uh, all that kind of stuff? No, I think that's pretty separate to that. I think there is a degree to which your SR can represent your skill, but there's also, it's a team game at the end of the day. So a lot more goes into the team and how the team does. So don't think SR would make a team good or bad necessarily. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think it does. I, I fully agree with A10 here. I've put it, I, I, I think of SR when you're trying to get in as like you're putting your foot in the door. 
Like if you're high SR, people notice you and you'll get tryouts out of that. If you're 3.9 trying out for a 4.4, even if you're good enough, it's still eh, you know? Yeah. But if you get into the door and you start playing in that team environment, at some point, it, like some owl players don't really like low top 500. It doesn't matter. They're an owl. They perform. The SR is the foot in the door, and then when you're in, SR becomes less and less of a priority, and your team performance matters. To add on to that as well, I'm not a player, but um, you have <laughs> you have the case where to to sort of elaborate as well. It's like once you're on teams and you have tournament results, those those matter way more than SR. Like you could, if yeah. you're a low SR player, there might be some questions like why are you low SR, but that won't be the the predominant reason why you won't get on a team at at that stage. And you know, I mean, sure, you probably need a good excuse like I don't just don't play as much rank, but it's like if you've had results, if you've won tournaments, if you've done all of that, that overrides SR at the end of the day, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I hope that SR can one day be a representative, more of a representative skill, though. But that would have to come into fixing ranked, which they've been taking the steps to do that. So yeah, yeah, because that means that also at the same time, rank would be more of a uh, respected environment, I guess, as in comparison to a screen. Yeah. SR will always be a grind, though. The thing is, like, the the more time you put into trying to grind SR, the th- in theory, the more SR you're going to have. And I think it's always yeah. going to be the difference between if you're if you're a pro player, are you spending time scrimming? Are you time spending time VOD review? Or are you spending time playing ranked? And mm-hmm. you've got a limited hours, and it's going to be quite difficult for you. So you're going to get to the stage where the more pro you are, probably the less time you're spending a ranked. Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. All right, uh, the next question, and this was um, specifically for Fastman, but Eli pointed out that I can actually ask this to uh, A10 as well, with a lolololol on the end. How was the transition from Zarya OTP to actual flexible off-tank? Oh, man. Well, yeah. Um, it was it was a bit strange for me, at least, because that's I just only played Zarya. Any other hero, I was absolutely garbage at. I'm assuming for A10, he was good at other stuff. He was just really good at Zarya. But I I, I wasn't really good at Zarya, uh, anything else, so I was just kind of Zarya. And actually, in Contender Season 0, I picked up D.Va randomly one match, and it just kind of worked out, and that's kind of how it became a D.Va main. But it was it was a weird transition, just having one super good and then just everything else trash. So... Yeah, it was it was a rough transition, but I I, I would think I'm decent at, at at least everything now. Right, ten. For me, uh, I mean, I never had a thought that I would be in esports. So for me, it was ranked. So I played a lot of hit scans and I played a lot of Zarya. But I thought that Zarya was an off tank. So if I was going to a team, I'd become an off tank player. So I could play Zarya. Completely wrong. Completely backfired. But uh, <laughs> so. When they picked me up, like I said before, like they tried their best to put me on uh, D.Va. It just, I think through my mechanical skill, I could just overpower enough. But eventually, like you get to a level where you do need to learn D.Va. So, I mean, the tr- transition wasn't too bad because I had an amazing coach who like helped me understand it, get me through that whole transition. So I give a lot of credit to him. But of course, you need to put in a lot of time as well to learn that. So, um, and for me, I actually I got nothing. I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, watch, watch some Fury POVs to learn Diva. There you go. Yeah, he's insane. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, Avril, here's one for you. Uh, I think you did possibly 
Yeah, you did cover this earlier, but we'll go over it again. A little bit, yeah. Um, how did you start casting? I think you can go probably a little bit more in depth here on, on your road to becoming a caster. Well, blank. Just for you. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, so to reiterate, is, is basically I, I started off as a player. Um, uh, I was reasonably good at TF2. I was you know, within, within the, the more upper level within the region. Um, mm -hmm. We were in Australia, obviously. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like the Jake of Ast path, right? Where you're like, you're a player first and you're reasonably knowledgeable. You kind of know how to talk in front of a camera and you're not going to mm -hmm. hopefully make a fool of yourself. And they're like, Hey, you want to come and do some casting? I need someone, I need an Alice. So to help me understand this game. And so that's basically how it was. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is pretty fun. I could do this again. And then I did it again, did it some more. Um, they started taking it a bit more seriously when I moved from TF2 to Dota 2. And I was like, hey, I want to actually do more casting, try and focus on getting better as a caster rather than just being like a player who jumps in. And then from there, you know, more and more focus on actually doing the casting things. And I think uh, one thing that gets o overlooked a lot, and this is something that even for guys like Jake and Avast, if they want to, if they, for Jake, get back into casting or for, for us to like continue to do more casting, get better at casting is a lot of players come in with a lot of knowledge, like a heap of knowledge, and they're trying to unpack this knowledge. But a big part of casting is actually in the performance aspect. A lot of people uh, underrate or don't quite see that part of casting until they get a little bit deeper in and they, you know, have this higher understanding of like, you know, what the, the holistic, you know, scope of casting really is. And I've, the majority of my focus for casting um, outside of, you know, getting game knowledge, which I think is important. But once you have a decent hold on the game, like I think my game knowledge is fairly, fairly good. It's not like, I'm not good. I'm not like the most knowledgeable person in Overwatch, but it's definitely, you know, it's good. And so most of my focus has been on how do I perform on camera? How do I cast better? How do I speak better? You know, I've been, it's, it's the point where you're taking, you know, uh, Pixie and I have both taken vocal training before. Uh, we've worked with vocal, vocal nice. coaches. Um, he's got we we both have like you know he's got more he's got like a theaterish kind of background i've got a small kind of acting background as well i've done a few acting things last year as well um and so it's, there's a lot of that like that kind of stuff that i've been working on that i've been trying to push into that that i think um most people don't see and is is actually like what i think is one of the more important aspects of casting so that's kind of like how i got into it and you know what i'm doing now nice uh, we did get one extra question here. So, um, what do you think makes a good coach, and how has the best coach you've worked with impacted you? And that's obviously going to be for both of our players. Uh, is it in a service somewhere? I guess I can read it. No, it's a, it's uh, an anonymous question. I can okay. type it out for you. Hang on, let me copy paste this for you. Just slapped you with that no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, while you're reading over that, um, we did get some confirmation here. Uh, I will just posted it for us from Hammer saying the thing that he was asking about with the like warm up bit before the game starts actually has been implemented in a recent update. They are continuously updating their scrim workshop thing. So yeah, guys, go check that out. Uh, well, there's this this one guy that I know, coach wise. Mm -hmm. To to this day, like. Most amazing coach, and he's been having success. He's the coach for Chicken Contendies right now. He worked with We Have Work, etc. And I was fortunate enough to have him when he was making his stepping stones into uh, going through the uh, tiers. So, mm -hmm. what makes a good coach, I think, is someone who a has a deep understanding of the game, is clear, in, 
explain to you what to do, but looks at a bigger picture of things. So, I mean, there's a lot to it. It's like the the leader of the team as well, keeping people in check, keeping balance, etc. But uh, a good coach leaves you after your session feeling like, I'm excited to play the game, or I know what to do, I know what to improve, I know what to look for, and I'm going to go focus on that. So, uh, he's the only guy I've really met ever who's like had that amount of impact. So mm-hmm. good coaches are hard to find, but when you do find one, they're they're very very impactful in how you perform and how you progress. Yeah, for me, I came into the Tea Party kind of lost in a way. Like I I reached a point with my old team where it was just like I was kind of doing the best that I could and the impact and the input I was getting is like there's not much you can really do um but I came to tea party and I was lost because I'm somebody who always wants to know what else I can do how can I improve how can I win how can I do this x y and z and then I came in and our our head coach uh, Axel he used to coach uh Boston Academy um he he really showed me the way in the sense of he would sit down and just tell me how it is. Like if, if I, I think of a good coach is they aren't sugarcoating it. You know, if you're wrong, they tell you you're wrong. If instead of just pat you on the head, say, all right, it's whatever, go get them next time. (laughs) Axel would sit me down and take however long it took to make sure that I knew, Hey, you messed up here. Do this next time for as diva. You have to look for X, Y, and Z think about the scenario, all that stuff. So he really, really helped me find my path to improve. And I am way far off of where I need to be to keep going. But I would definitely say a coach that doesn't give you any crap and just gives it to you straight, completely unbiased, just tells you how it is. I really appreciate the honesty on that. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I've had some minor coaching experience here or there. Um, what I can say is like, it's in a similar vein to what I just said about casting in terms of like underlooked value in coaching. And that's that when you think about what coaching is, it's very similar to teaching in many ways. And knowing something is, is one part, but being able to teach that is a totally separate part. You can be the most yeah. knowledgeable person, but if you can't vocalize it, if you can't actually teach that to another person, you can't put that into a form that someone else can absorb, you can't be a good coach. And that's something that people need to work on. So I think for for coaches, for anyone that wants to be a coach or someone that is a coach that wants to be a better coach, something that you might not have thought of outside the box is like, okay, how can I like, in terms of interpersonal skills, how can I relate better with the players? How can I speak better with the players? How can I get my message across better? And I think that's something that um, would would certainly up the level of, of, of skill and ability for a lot of coaches out there. Can I just point out the coach I'm talking about is Dark Zero, and uh, I mean, if you want to experience what I've experienced, you know, he does do coaching sessions. So just a little advertisement for him; he's very worth it. Nice. I got no problem with with that shameless advertisement. <laughs> cool. Now it's for someone else. It's for someone else. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, speaking of coaches, so the one of the ex coaches for Shoes Money Crew recent is a good friend of mine, mm. and I was chatting with him about this episode. And he said to me, and A10, I'm going to need your help on this one. He said to me, ask A10 to foot dab. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, I can try it here, but I don't remember. Don't break anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have them. Basically, I don't know why. I thought it was a good idea to dab with my feet. 
So, and then I then admit someone like recorded it, made it into a GIF. I mean, I could try it. Go for it. But uh, I, try. I don't know how I would fit it on camera, but it's been a while. You should have made this the bit. <laughs> yeah, right? I try. I, I don't even know. I'll practice it. I'll perfect it. <laughs> Go to land, show up, foot dab, you know? Hell yeah, dude. He's got a foot dab on land. That's the bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. All right, so I mean, we got a diva cosplay and a, and a, and a foot dab on, on land. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I'm, I'll, I'll practice and try my best to uh, pull it off. <laughs> All right, well, then we just need one for Avril. Come on, come on. we got to think of something um, Avril can do if he loses a bit. I was I mean, just going to say, you know, I would... I would cause this is the thing is, I don't, I don't stream. I don't make any content. Um, I've never really done that. But I was like, it's... I, I don't know. For some people, it's like, oh, it's pretty easy. But it's like, not if you don't do that. Like, <laughs> it's not easy. But you have the background for it, right? You've got the... I guess. Um... But it's just maybe, you know, a content creation skill set versus just like being the content itself is like, I don't know, that's a different mm -hmm. step. But mm -hmm. it's something I'd be willing to try. Um, okay. It's probably something I I'd do anyway. I'll do, I'll do a really crazy bit that I'm almost guaranteed to lose and then I'll have to do it. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, then let's, let's quickly do that. Our producer needs to run. So this is going to be the last thing we're going to be able to cover for this episode. So quickly, quickly, let's do bets either on the um outcome of playoffs for your respective regions or on the outcome of the showdowns which are coming up uh do a quick little bet on that and what and just reiterate what you're going to do if you're going to lose um here's the crazy bet it's going to be for pacific showdown this is absolutely wild um australia one which is the only australian team is going to beat korea two in that opening I was going to make that. Damn it. <laughs> you can make that too. We can make the same All one. right, all right. We're going to join up. Let's go. Why do you have confidence, Australia? Wait, what's your skin in this? No, 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 no. I was going to say if Australia somehow manages to beat Korea, I will cosplay as Diva. Okay. Let's get it. All right, Aiden, what's your bet? Uh, betting on Showdown, right? Yeah. No, any, well, whatever. Okay. Uh, God. I think for, I think uh, Angry Titans will win Showdown in uh, wherever it is. I don't know. In Atlantic. <laughs> in Atlantic, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. I mean, what you have yeah. to bet? On, are you guys betting on just one match? I, I mean, mean, I mean, the I, finals I, is a match, I guess. True, true. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the schedule, so <laughs> I don't know the schedule, so I kind of have to go that, for that. That's finals. perfect. I got no problem with Screw that. Screw it. I, I, I'll lose, whatever. I'll go Angry Titans, take it all the way. I believe in Oni God. He's insane. Or Spectral. Spectral, yeah. In mm -hmm. before they do win. Um, okay, cool. So those are our bets, guys. Um, please, I I'm going to be clipping the bets and posting them on Twitter and tagging everybody so y'all don't forget that uh, you have made these bets. So that's going to wrap up this episode of The Grind. It has been an absolutely fantastic one. Um, huge thank you to Fossman for stepping in in the last minute. You've actually been a fantastic guest, and I'm really happy that we had you here as our first T3 guest. Thank you, of course, to A10 and Avril for being here. Your insight has been fantastic and really appreciated. Just a reminder about Hammerkick's Scrim uh, Workshop. They have released yet another update like five minutes ago. Um, the link is in our Discord. So exclamation mark Discord. We'll bring up a link and you can come join us. You can come chat to the guests. Please just don't ping them. I'm sure they'll <laughs> respond if and when they can. Um, 
question submissions, uh, guest recommendations, all of those things are available there. So please, guys, come join us. Thank you so much for watching this episode. Thank you for Captiano for being our producer and dealing with all of the scuffedness that is uh, <laughs> the grind. And I will see you guys very soon. In fact, Thursday, we will be covering EU um, as well as uh, China. So please join us for that. And uh, yeah, see you guys then. Have a good evening, day, morning, wherever you may be. See ya.